It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to BGN Radio. Eagles outside linebacker Connor Barwin joins us. I heard you guys are the best Eagles podcast there is out there in Philly, so I'm excited to talk to you guys. Right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. Fueled by Duncan Philly and part of the Liberty Broadcast Network. It is uh, episode number 126, and although I said, look at me, the big fat hypocrite, uh, saying that there, I, I didn't real feel feel comfortable talking about this game, well, I ended up rewatching it on the Game to Rewind this morning on Monday as we're talking about it here, so we'll get into that a little bit. Welcome to episode number 126 right here on BGN Radio. Uh, Mr. James Zeltzer, fresh off the, off the plane, off the party train uh, in Austin, Texas, which is... I've been down there. It, you know, it gets dangerous. How are you feeling, buddy? John, uh, I'm alive, which was, you know, 50-50 heading in, so it's a good thing. Yeah, uh, Little Bro's Bachelor Party had a lot of fun. Definitely too much fun. Um, at the age of 34, you know, I used to be able to really, really bring it, John, you know, multiple days in a row. Now I've got uh, now I've got the, uh, you can actually hear, this is my little bottle of ibuprofen <laughs> I have next to me. I've, you know. <laughs> I'm trying to recover, Johnny. I can't. I can't do it like I used to. But it was a lot of fun. I uh, got a little wild, nice. uh, as you can hear in my voice. The whole voice is not back yet. It's 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 a it's a process. It's coming. But I'm um, I'm here. I'm alive. I made it back in time to watch the game. So uh, so I'm ready to get into it. Johnny. Yeah. Uh, and before we get into that, just a reminder: if you're out there listening to us on SoundCloud or uh, iTunes, Stitcher, please rate, subscribe, review. Give us some feedback. We always want to know uh, what's going on in your noggins. You can, again, also call us uh, with any thoughts, 267-245-6066 on the uh, BGN Anytime Hotline. But I I just want to come back to this for a second. I'm not going to bum anybody out. This was a really awesome victory. I thought the words of Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey really rung true. Uh, I was one of the guys that was said yesterday morning, and hats off to BLG and Patrick Wall for joining us and filling in for James on 97.5 The Fanatic. I thought it was uh, a really fun time and really good insight, and those guys are naturals. 
But that being said, I, you know, I, 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 here I am again. Like we're just, I, I don't feel great about anything uh, except for the Eagles' performance, and that's what I was talking about yesterday. That's what I want to love. So that's what we're going to continue to do here. But um, I, I don't know if I can stop talking about some of those other things. Obviously, they don't want to talk about Greg Hardy every week, and uh, but we have to realize that this domestic violence thing doesn't go away, and it doesn't stop there either. It's not just domestic violence. There's a whole slew of things in the, that's wrong with the NFL. I think it's important to recognize those things and continue the conversation. And maybe we can find some something other than just awareness out of that. You know, I, I'm not trying to be a hero. I don't think anybody really is. It's just that it weirded me out. I didn't watch the game live. I'm, I'm not judging anybody that did. Um, but that being said, James, you know, when when Lane Johnson comes out and says, uh, yeah, he's kind of one of those guys that just kind of gives up. I've seen tougher. And then Jason Kelsey comes right in there and just says, three people I don't have respect in this world. That's people that, t- you know, beat women, child molesters, and rapists. And just like kind of went off. That's why I love this football team. That's why I love Jason Kelsey, especially because he has no filter. And I fucking love it, James. I love it. Yeah, John. I mean, look, not only, I mean, Kelsey actually went as far as to say, I'm glad he didn't have a good day. Quote unquote, it's a joke. A guy like this is able to play this quickly. Uh, And I thought, you know, Collinsworth actually did a really nice job coming back from halftime. And I don't know if you watched it on the game pass, if you were just kind of going through for the plays. Yeah. Yeah, he came, when they addressed it, when they were coming back from halftime, they said, listen, you know, we're going to talk about this. We understand it's a big issue. You know, we can't spend the entire game talking about it. And Collinsworth, you know, went and said that, that you know, it is vile. He doesn't, you know, like, you know, what what's happening here, that they understand due process, but that the NFL as a whole, really the players, too, need to start taking some accountability. And maybe that it's the players who need to stand. And even if that's not right, you know, even if it should be the league that should be able to curtail this or whatever it is, that the players themselves are going to have to stand up and band together and maybe make a statement about this and not allow guys like this to come back into the game. And and I thought Collinsworth really put it well. And I think I think this is kind of uh, plays right into what we're talking about here with with Johnson saying, you know, I put an extra I put extra mustard on the block every time I went at him. And Kelsey saying it's a joke this guy can play. I think you're seeing that that there are a lot of players who are not okay with this, and there are a lot of players. It's not just it's not just the media or the fans or whatever. Who who are, who are anti-Jerry Jones or, or some BS like that. I, I think that, you know, there are other people in this game who are upset about this, and I think that, uh, you know, the NFL clearly has a real issue with it. And when you look at the past, and 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 that's really the argument, right, that there have been a lot of, of domestic violence issues within this league that have really been swept under the rug and, and haven't gotten the same type of publicity that this has. And, and yes, they, they're all wrong. It's all bad. And I think that maybe the Greg Hardy thing can help be the, the tipping point, the thing that kind of pushes uh, the NFL, the Players Association, and everyone else to really act and really change those you know laws within the system or ways within the system for these guys to get back on the field especially this quickly um so you well, know especially I, especially with the nfopa i'm with you there like that, that was collinsworth's whole point yeah like that and i and i and i t- completely agree with that because that's where it's just like okay i i understand you have a job to do but maybe you should put it to a vote first <laughs> you know let's check on that it's like do we really want to defend this guy and like have like a a, a, a council of some sort of like yeah we we don't want him here in, either i don't care i don't care about what new rules that were just set in place get him out of here you know, if there was more people, if there's a majority of players that felt that way, 
I think that would happen. I'm sure that there are some players out there that see that Greg Hardy should be playing. It's part of his job, et cetera, et cetera. Like there's, you know, Jason Garrett even, I think, said today, like, we don't condone we don't condone domestic violence. It's like, well, uh, actually you do because he's on your football team. I mean, that's like, that's that to me is just, again, non-awareness in that entire organization um, in football-related things too and in just in social issues. Like, it's a, it's a total mind screw. That's what happens when you have an owner and a GM in the same spot that has that weird mentality. We'll move on from this because we do want to we do want to talk about the game, uh, and it wasn't it wasn't a great start here, James. It wasn't a great start. I mean, I I, I am, yeah, I imagine that everybody on the timeline was completely shitting it up. Like it was just like here we go again. They had the you know, basically like two three and outs in the beginning. And they couldn't really get anything going on their first couple of drives. There, Dallas drives down and scores. Cole Beasley, the guy that I always make fun of, just completely worked over Malcolm Jenkins, and they don't think they made that switch until the second half. Over to EJ Biggers, there's his name again. Surprise, surprise, and he came up with a big play later in the game. But your uh, your your thoughts on the first half, just kind of as it uh, as it went on there, were you getting a little worried and? Uh, were you just ex- expecting like, okay, here we go again? John, I uh, I was watching a little behind. I was watching on a, on an app, so I was a couple minutes behind, so it was kind of hard for me to keep up with the Twitter timeline while I was okay, watching it. Okay. And obviously, obviously, also, uh, you know, trying to stay alive through the game was, was really yes. my main goal uh, after the weekend I had. Uh, but I, I was able to kind of catch up at certain points. And at the end of the first half, I tweeted, uh, first half recap, the Eagles and Cowboys both suck at football. And, and that was really, you know, that was really the feel that came out of it was like, you know, after that first game between these two teams, it was just like, really? We're going to really fucking watch this shit again? Like, seriously? that's And it wasn't quite as bad as that first one. But, you know, there was just no rhythm to the offense. The defense didn't really you know, step up and make big plays. We saw a couple long third and long conversions. Uh, it just felt like a such a lackadaisical half. And, and we've seen that so much from this team, especially in big spots. It's like, how could, you know, it, it, this team has to be able to get up to play this game, right? I mean, you're playing Sunday night football, basically the season on the line. Obviously, we've, we've used that a few too many yeah, times yeah. this season. But, you know, in reality, when you're really looking at it from a numbers perspective, no, the season isn't over, but losing that game last night is, is a hell of a hit to your chances, like a really big one. And, and also, conversely, puts Dallas back in it with the with the two wins against you and the win against the Giants uh, and kind of just, you know, and the two wins against the Giants, excuse me. Um, no, the one win, excuse me. Yeah. Um, so at that point, you know, it, it kind of really puts you back in the, uh, behind those guys. So uh, it was really frustrating to not see them come out more excited, more into it, but you know, give them credit that the offense found a, a rhythm. They started really running the football. That offensive line, man, what what a what a showing without Peters. Yeah. Dennis Kelly, I mean, give that guy a game ball, man. He he played his ass off. Granted, you know, outside of Hardy, really a, a, a pretty crappy Dallas defensive line. But still, you, you got all you could have asked for. But it was really ugly, John, at that 7-7 first half. I think everyone was just happy to, to be tied at that point. But then also to end the half with that weird drive, non-drive. That's an it, odd it, sequence. Yeah, yeah timeouts. It, it just felt to me like, all right, I have zero faith in my offense right now. Let's get off the field and regroup. I didn't love that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but, you know, my, I, look, we, the second half, obviously a different game. But it, it's really starting to get old, John. Yeah, I think they they ended up. Um, I thought they ran the ball okay, you know, and, and that and one of those drive. I can't remember if that was that insane drive where they just went down, you know, ninety yards or whatever, 
ran the ball most of the time. I don't know if that was the first touchdown. Now I keep forgetting. But, it was. Uh, yeah, so when you had that kind of momentum, you're like, okay, there, you know, there you go. There's that rhythm again, but they kind of fell in and out of it. And I know that there was a lot of people that had brought up, you know, throw, you're thrown short of sticks. Oh, I can't stand it. Why would you throw to somebody short of the sticks? If you're throwing to somebody short of the sticks, uh, nobody's open. That's what's happening. You know, I, I, I don't I don't under ever understand. It's the same thing with throw the ball downfield. Like, why would you just throw it down the field just to throw it down the field? Uh, it, it more or less like it, that's your that's your really only option to try and go get a first down. I understand you shouldn't be doing it all the time. Like that's on the that's on the quarterback. That's also on the wide receivers and the play call. Like it's all three things at once. And on most of those, and obviously we haven't looked at all twenty two yet. But you know they looked at. I mean everybody was covered. It's just like that. There's you tip your hat and be like, okay, you got to punt the ball. Uh, and then in the second half, it looked like they adjusted. They got a lot of people. You know they got a lot of a lot more in space. And I couldn't believe. Uh, the, the other thing that a lot of Dallas fans were saying, which I thought was hilarious, and they're obviously mad on the line today, very much so, because their season's done. I mean, two and six, buried. See ya. Jimmy Kemsky's already, you know, put the put the tombstone All right, up. Pete. Uh, and, and it's true. I mean, that's there, there's I, even with this division. It, yeah, it and they, they play the Patriots next week, too. Let's uh, Or no, I guess the Giants, but they still have a game left with the Patriots as well. Oh, no, they don't. My no, fault. No, they don't. They've already, Yeah, they already got their butt kicked. They already lost to the Patriots. But they will be uh, getting their butts kicked probably by the Panthers or somebody else, even when Tony Romo comes back in. So it's just it, they have Green Bay. They have a couple other hard matchups there, plus the division rival. Every time we talk about, you know, uh, it, oh, it just didn't look so crisp and oh, Matt Castle almost outplayed Sam Bradford. And there's a couple. Of, no, they didn't. I mean, this is just this is what happens. This is a rivalry game. It's in Dallas. It's the same way. And, it, 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 you know, Kyle Orton still kept it really close in 2013. Like those things happen uh, when you have an outlet that's working in a short passing game. They don't really try and go deep. Byron Maxwell played another spectacular game. Another spectacular game. I think he only had five balls thrown to him the entire time. And I think out of that, uh, maybe one of them were caught for 20 yards or something like that. That's twice in a row. He took care of Hotel Beckham Jr. the same way. So maybe we can remove all those uh, overpaid uh, bust type of articles or at least rethink them because he's been, again, playing great against the uh, against better wide receivers. And the only thing that really killed him last night was that Colt Beasley matchup, which I thought... You know, they should have switched. They should have, should have switched that out a little quicker. But it's not like Matt Castle is is doing it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. My point was he's a lot like Kyle Orton. I mean, there's no you could really interchange those guys when you're throwing Yolo balls. Like, what was that? Like, there was just in the second half, he just spins around, avoids the sack, and then throws it into the end zone with 35 people standing into it, and everybody's like, "Oh yeah, that was really great." Like that was just that ended up just being a lucky play, and and why not just do it? But I didn't see anything out of Matt Castle that outperformed Sam Bradford last night. Did you? No, not even close. I thought Bradford was significantly better. And we'll get to Bradford because I do think that we saw some really positive things. Uh, but but you just kind of touched on two things that kind of segue in together. Uh, and that was the refs last night. Because oh, on that yeah. Dez touchdown pass, I mean, Doug Free was like, like, strapping a guy. I mean, there were that, the fact that there wasn't a hold called on that touchdown was insanity. And then those Maxwell penalties at the end, it's like, really? Uh, it was so ticky-tack, especially the second one. The second one was not a penalty. The first one, all right. If you want to be real ticky-tack, you could call that. The second one, he was going for the fucking football. 
Like, yeah. what, what else is the guy supposed to do? He was in position. Bryant was not. Bryant wasn't even turned around. Maxwell's going for the football, and, and he gets the call. I mean, it was I, – I was so with him for getting upset there. I'm happy he didn't go to the point where he got a flag for it because it looked like it might be heading in that direction. But um, it, it, I thought that was a joke. I thought he really got hosed at the end of the game there, and, and I'm with you. I thought we saw a really, really nice showing from Maxwell and, again, from Carroll. I mean – you know, that guy's, again, under, even though we, we, we keep saying Nolan Carroll's just having one of those underrated seasons, he, he continues to because we don't talk about him a ton, but he, he's just making plays. Uh, but I was really disappointed with, with the performance from the refs last night. And, and I feel like that, I'm not saying it's a Cowboys. We saw a lot of, you know, screw you, Dean Blandino, yeah, yeah. boss. I, I don't think it's that. I just think that we're seeing a really, a real downturn in the level of officiating in the NFL this season. And we've seen it in Eagles games and, and really across the league that, that they're really missing a lot of stuff. And I know that football is a game where there's going to be holding, there's going to be a lot of things on pretty much every play, but there are a lot of atrocious, atrocious calls and missed calls we're seeing this season. And, and I think it's something the NFL really needs to try and get its, its hands around. I don't think that's any different uh, for Ed Hockley and crew. I mean, he's been like that. This agreed. Agreed. <laughs> So that's where it's at. as soon as that guns, he's good, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. As soon as he's making a show, I actually heard. I think I heard Al Michaels. There was a, a really. They were trying to determine something. There was a really long call last night. I was like, ah, geez, here you go. This guy's wasting a minute and a half. I guess it's the Ed show. It's like, oh, oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, when Michaels is calling that out, you're like, all right, that, Michaels has clearly seen this enough to be annoyed enough with it to actually mention it. Yeah, but I mean, th- the second half was again, it's the it, the tale of two halves type of thing, and it's not like they. I don't think everything was awful. It's just kind of, you know, they couldn't really. They only had one really great drive. Everything else kind of stalled out, and and that and that was pretty much it. But um, uh, you know the. Mistakes, which was what, mistakes. Yeah, yeah, but there weren't, but there weren't the Sam Bradford mistakes, which, yes. which the for the at least the least we've seen, and and we've heard a lot of talk about the Bradford and the interceptions, and and how like that's not the guy he's always been, you know, even as bad as he was or as 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 ineffective as he was in St. Louis, he still ended up at his time there with what fifty eight touchdowns and thirty nine picks, not a guy who's throwing interceptions. And we're, we're kind of hoping that'll regress to the mean a bit. And then the last couple of weeks, it finally looks like he's he's making a few less of those obvious mistakes, which is a real positive. And some might say, um, you know, uh, he might need him some some time. Huh? Ah, weird. How you haven't heard that for the, about eight weeks on this show, this podcast. So mean some time after two fucking blown out ACLs and a completely new everything. Maybe they just need some time to figure some things out. And that's what. Uh, when you when you can build on these things, it's. I mean, he played great against the Panthers. He played good last night. I th- I actually think he played better in the Panthers game. I do that- too. I think I think it's the the uh, minority view. Yes. But I I do too. I thought uh, I was really impressed in the Panthers game with his pocket awareness and his ability to see things coming and and move out of the way. And he showed it last night as well. But I thought it was really evident against Carolina. And they moved him around a lot, which I thought was a very important thing to do. Uh, again, a lot of uh, different kind of play action sets, and that only works if the run game is working. And I know James had mentioned the great job that Dennis Kelly and everybody did. I got to give another. I mean, not that not that you couldn't see it coming from a mile away, uh, but Matt Tobin played another, at least against the run, fantastic. And ever since he's been in there, ever since this kind of different alignment, and I hate to say it, uh, Andrew Garner's been out, they've been able to run the football a lot better, a lot better. 
And between the three, the three hosses up there, I think they're at about five or 5.6 since week two. That's exactly what you need. That's what we all thought in the beginning of the season was at least you can rely on the running game. And when they weren't able to do that and you had to put it in Sam Bradford's hand, that's where that's where all the chaos, that's where everything looks so horrible. And now that that was together and people are saying, oh, well, the run game helped you. Well, Jesus, you can't have it both ways, everybody. I mean, it's just that is was and always is the bread and butter of this offense was to be able to run the football. And DeMarco Murray was very effective last night. So was Matthews. Sproles was on his limited touches, which, again, I think he still needs to get all those guys need to get a few more touches in there. But, hey, that's the other thing. DeMarco Murray is not dead, and that's something we mentioned on the preview show. That's something we mentioned on the radio show yesterday, and it's it couldn't have come at a better time for me with all of the, with Joseph Randall getting cut and with everybody constantly fighting about the overpayments and a bunch of other things. All the three of the things that we've been fighting about in the past eight weeks looked good last night. Sam Bradford looked good. DeMarco Murray looked good. Byron Maxwell looked good. All the hot takes from the bye week of saying like, and I remember even Ross Tucker and a bunch of people on CSN having like, yep, no good, no good, no good, no good. Well, can we say that now? I mean, is that finally we're starting to look at and see like, hey, maybe the roster construction wasn't so bad here, James. Yeah, and how about the guard? We're not talking about the guards right now, are we? No, we're not. What happened to that? Guards! Like the number one most upset, you know, thing that people were upset about early in the season, Mathis and Harriman's and this O-line and this lack of lack of attention and how could Chip not give a shit about this O-line and never <laughs> draft anybody? You know what? This O-line's playing pretty fucking good right now. Yeah. It is. It's been a pretty good O-line, especially, John, especially considering the, the injuries that they face and the amount of guys that are moving around. I mean, last night, when you look at it, Jason Kelsey and Alan Barber, who you know hasn't been that great, are the only two guys from the starting opening day line who are playing in their same spots. You know, so yeah. we've seen some real changeover. Lane with a, a real a great effort last night, uh, going against Hardy at that left spot, and and then Kelly looked better at tackle than he's ever looked at guard, which makes sense. The guy played tackle in college. It's not that crazy to think that his natural position is tackle. Um, so and based on his size and his his movement, I think he does project better as a tackle. Uh, so I. I think it's just been a really, really nice thing to see. I think Jeff Stoutland deserves a lot of credit for moving those guys around and, and getting them to, to, to put together a real cohesive unit, a unit that we did not expect to see and something that is, is not only not the, the you know, real flaw of this team, but but could end up being a strength moving forward if these guys continue to progress like a guy like Tobin. Everything's coming up Iowa, John. <laughs> just bring bring back Vanderbilt and we're all good, right? Like that's the, that'll be the clincher. And this is something we were actually talking about in the text thread. It's something I mentioned a while back. And obviously, um, you know, Jason Peters being out, I think, was not like, not, not that like we all root for. I don't know what I'm trying to say. That I'm just glad that he didn't kind of go out and take 20 snaps and then have to come off the field. Um, and I think if he does come back, and I know it's probably, it's impossible to maybe do this year, but moving into next year to advance his career, to keep it continuing, to lengthen his career, I would absolutely stick him at guard in between Lane Johnson and Kelsey on the left side and have, you know, hopefully not, hopefully an upgrade over Kelly and, and maybe even Tobin at that point in the draft if he can find some, some of that talent around there. But that, to me, seems like another year of awesomeness if you can slide him in there. I don't know how you feel about Jason Peters becoming a guard maybe next year. 
I, I think it's a great idea. I mean, I think that we're seeing his body break down. Uh, you know, when he's been out there, he's he's really found a way. Of, uh, it's a marvel that that guy, you know, with the, the amount of miles and the amount of injuries. I mean, what's he had two Achilles tears? I mean, yeah. that's usually that's usually like you're done. Like one Achilles tear for a, for a tackle, an offensive tackle is usually enough to at least you're never at that same level again. And this guy has really found a way to bounce back from a lot of that and, and play at a, you know, all pro level. I think we're finally seeing all those injuries and all that wear and tear start to catch up with us with him. And I think that's, you know, kind of that back injury we saw is like a body almost breaking down out there. Um, so I think you almost have to do that if you want to extend the guy's career. And I think that for the, for the good of the team, I actually think that it's a, a great move depending on if you can find someone to fill in it that other right tackle spot i think lane i think when you draft a guy with the number four overall pick as a tackle the long-term plan is to have him be your left tackle and i think that he's proven that he can be that you know you could have a great franchise left tackle here in lane johnson so i'm i'm totally on board with that idea i agree though that's not happening this year i think it's i think it's too much of a change both for peters and for the entire line as a whole uh, Peters, you know, hasn't played guard in his entire professional career. Yeah. So that's tough. It's tough to kind of change those habits overnight. Um, but uh, yeah, I think long term, that's a realistic, uh, a realistic, realistic option for this line. And the other guy that has gotten so much crap over the bye week and who is, you know, labeled a bust, <laughs> just will never, ever catch a ball again. Jordan Matthews, again, just coming out really, really, really strong in this game uh, and having having the game winning touchdown. With Sam Bradford on like the uh, a great play call, uh, a play action pick play to get him wide open. Josh Huff with an excellent block in overtime. I mean, just crazy. And then Sam Bradford running down the freaking field with his helmet off, just it, all everybody's all fired up. That was so exciting. The whole fourth quarter. That I mean, it was anxiety driven nonetheless. Because uh, even even I knew the result. Going back and forth watching a replay, I was like, "Oh my god, I'd be going, I'd be going crazy right now." That's it. Between like, oh, this feels like a loss. The the refs are trying to help them. They're going to tie in overtime. And the funny thing was, uh, out of all that, I want you to get touch on that too, James. But the the delusion of the Dallas Cowboys fan base. There was a video going around, uh, a couple different ones, and so they were on a couple different Twitter accounts where they were trying to say that Chris Maragos said heads instead of tails like there were some weird conspiracy he said it twice he said heads twice and they got the ball and they dropped down well even if they did even if they did uh it's the old overtime rules so or, or it's not the old overtime rules stop them uh even if they did but they didn't if you have anybody with two he ears, called tails he called tails i i, I he called i he called tails sorry <laughs> but what was your reaction when you know sam bradford throws that to Jordan Matthews, you're like, oh my God, he's going to score a touchdown. I, I, that was that was so beautiful to see as a game ender. My my reaction was first getting yelled at by my wife for waking her by yelling at the top of my lungs at 12:15 <laughs> when she had to get up for work the next day. So that was that was good. But I, you know, it was one of those like there was no holding it back. Like I don't care if if the the Pope was sleeping in the next room and it told me not to wake him. I was yelling and cheering at that moment. I jumped, jumped up and freaked out. Uh, it was just, it was awesome, John, because you weren't expecting it. You're from what we've seen of this team this season. It hasn't had that clutch feel that, 
that feel of, you know, in the last moment, they're going to find a way to get it done like that, especially a touchdown pass like that, especially the guy who, as you said, has been the, the bane of everyone's existence. I called him my first half LVP for the team, you know, <laughs> and, and to see Matthews, especially after a night where, uh, you know, not only that last play, he really made some nice catches. A couple of Bradford throws were low, and he and he hauled them in. It was really the opposite of what we've seen. And and obviously, uh, you know, we all thought it was something mental. We didn't think Jordan Matthews just all of a sudden his hands couldn't catch a football anymore, you know. But um, it, w- it was still really nice to see it happen that way for those guys, for Bradford in that moment. Uh, you know, obviously Bradford on his birthday. It's just like a, it felt like a good story. It also felt triumphant. It felt like the kind of thing that if this team does make a run, and again, I, you know, they, we'll get into. I mean, Dallas is a bad football team. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think I think division matters. I don't think you can ever discount a division win, especially on the road, especially when a team season is on the line. But they're not a good football team, so you you can't get too crazy, too hyped about it. But if if things coalesce, if this team can put things together and make any sort of run, I think we're all going to look back on that moment as that kind of you know launching point where this team kind of gained some confidence. And it's always how it goes. Since Jeff Kevely's took in, taken over, they split against Dallas, they split against Washington, and they beat the Giants twice. Like that. So, split, but also not only split against Dallas, but only win in Dallas. Yes. What is he? He's three and three, right? With three on the road wins and three home losses. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, antithetical there. <laughs> I, I I never understand it, and for whatever reason, every time Dallas comes up here, and it's not even look, it's not even with Romo because every time they go down there, Romo's always hurt or injured or unhealthy. Or it's a short week, and I said that on preview show, but it's also on the same. Like the the Eagles just forget how to play football when when Dallas comes up here. Like they're all they all just turn real dumb or just like play their worst. They play yeah. their worst when they come up here. Think about that. And two, two of the three losses here are what we would all cite as the two worst Eagles games of the past decade, maybe ever. I mean, I don't, I don't <laughs> yeah. remember two Eagles teams looking as bad as the, the against the Cowboys game this year and that Foles game against the Cowboys. Uh, you know, it was epically bad. And even last year, it was just kind of like, oh, uh, I'm going to fumble this and then, oh my God, it's 21 to nothing. Like, that shouldn't but happen. They came back in that one. Like at least they right. got the lead twenty, and it, and and that almost made it a, a even worse loss. But yeah. like the the Foles loss and the loss at home this year were were about as bad as I've lo- seen an Eagles team look in my time. Well, I know there was there was a ton of phone calls last night, so we always appreciate you guys coming in. Uh, and let's go to the phones right now. We want to hear from you. Call the Duncan Philly Anytime Hotline. Leave us a message and we'll put you on the air. 267-245-6066. That's 267-245-6066. Or tweet your thoughts to us at BGN underscore radio. Hey guys, it's Joel from North Carolina. Um, I just want to say that Sam Bradford left the field with the lead. Uh, <laughs> Joel, keeping it. I, I, I love I love it. Sam Bradford did indeed literally leave the field with the lead. That's how you get it done, Joel. Absolutely. Let's go to Stephen Lee. Uh, Joel, it's called winning a game. <laughs> Let's go to Stephen Lee. What's up, BGN? This is Stephen Lee checking in from West Palm Beach, Florida. And, uh, <laughs> 
Jimmy Kemsky needs to write the obituary for the Dallas Cowboys because their season is over. Greg Hardy, that piece of shit, he couldn't do nothing tonight, man. Let's be real. Offensive line played extremely well. If Lane Johnson is the left tackle of the future, I'm all for it. I thought Dennis Kelly played extremely well at right tackle. We ran the ball efficiently. The defense did what it could. A few hiccups, but Maxwell had a good game. Those calls were bullshit. If ever Jordan Matthews needed a type of performance to get him back on track, this was the one. He came through in the clutch. Bradford with the game-winning drive. They're buried, man. This division is ours if we want it. But uh, goodbye, Dallas. See you next year. Uh, couldn't have said it better myself, my friend. Absolutely. Uh, Aaron, go ahead. Hey, guys. It's Aaron from Illinois. And holy shit, what a game. Man, those first three quarters, they were, they were not the greatest. But, man, what a fourth quarter in overtime. I mean, what can I say, man? But fuck, fuck the refs, you know. Fuck the, the bullshit pass interference calls. Man, the whole game, those rest, man, I swear, Gary Jones must have a pretty pretty deep pocketbook because he's got to be paying every single one of them. It, it, it's just awful, the calling. But, man, we came back. Sam Bradford, what a throw. Great protection. Lane Johnson just threw Greg Hardy's side. I mean, it couldn't have been a better ending to a crazy-ass game. And I'm just hyped up right now. Uh, probably need to take it down a few levels before I... Uh, get in public or anything, but uh want to say uh, it's a great game, and thanks for the podcast, guys. Yes, just, I mean, that's, that's what I'm talking about, man. Just completely two guys fired up, ready to rock and roll. Uh, let's go to Chuck in Oak Park. Uh, what's up, BGN? This is Chuck from Oak Park. Uh, man, uh, I wanted to start off by saying that, uh, John, I agree with a lot of your take on Greg Hardy, and unlike you, I did watch the game. Uh, I guess every once in a while you're a hypocrite of your own morals, not you, myself, because I watched the game even though I think that that guy shouldn't be playing in the NFL. But, I mean, if I had to watch a game, what a game to watch. I mean, oh, man, hot take. It was, uh, it was, uh, it was a great way to end it. Uh, I mean, our defense played fairly good. I mean, we gave up a lot of rushing yards. That freak play by Des Bryant, uh, it was just me, that fumble, that, that wasn't a fumble in the, in the overtime, where it just seemed like they didn't know what was going on. And that commercial with Aaron Rodgers, when they're like, that, that, you know, that uh, one where they're like, oh, did you bobble it? Do this, do this hand motion. Like, they didn't know what to do, so they just like, oh, fumble. But I had no doubt. We got it. Uh, well, a really exciting way. You know, it doesn't write the season, but, you know, with all the struggles, Sam Bradford and uh, Jordan Matthews have had this season, just to see those other guys that connects to win it. It's a great win. You know, we still got a lot of games to go, but for the first time that I can remember this season, I'm actually excited. Sorry if it was a bit ranty, but uh, just excited. Uh, keep up the good work, guys, and go Eagles. Chuck, I appreciate the words that you said in the beginning, and nobody's hypocrite. We're all hypocrites. That 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 was my that was kind of more or less my point. It and the, it made me feel weird to watch the game, so I didn't. It didn't really do anything. Made me feel a little better for not watching it. I was just kind of able to calm down and, you know, I don't know, reflect on it or whatever. But we're all hypocrites. Don't even don't even worry about that. My point was to keep the conversation going more or less. Keep talking about it. Secondly, James, that's um, it, it, it is a great point. We're all excited now, and a lot of the even the the, the people that had questioned a lot of this stuff were all excited now. I heard I heard our good friends uh, Rob uh, Ellison, Harry Mays on the, the midday show this afternoon. They were excited, which I found very surprised. I just get the sense that 
you know, you see Elliot Shore Parks finally giving Sam Bradford an A and feeling good. And a lot of people are just feeling good about this win. And they should. And it was and it, it this is the thing that I thought for the most part was going to happen. Like they were going to be the second half run team. It wasn't going to come out. They were going to look sloppy and sluggish. And there was a lot of team building that still had to happen. It's what happens when you, you know, rip apart half of the team and put new starters on here. Are you finally excited for the rest of the run now? I look, and it's funny because we just kind of went back to that, talking about that moment of the win, the OT, you know, and Bradford streaking down the field. And, and, if they had just won that game, if they kicked a field goal and then stopped Dallas, I don't think I have the same excitement because I was kind of beaten down throughout that game, kind of beaten down where Eagles would take the lead and then Dallas would find a way to come back and then that Dez touchdown and then the Bailey clanking it off the upright. It just felt bad to me. It didn't have good mojo. And for it to end that way, it really just totally flipped me. It totally just put that excitement back in me. So yeah, I, I totally feel it. I, again, I did mention, and I believe it, the Cowboys stink as a football team. So I'm not getting overly, you know, confident about this Eagles team, but, but I do, I do really believe that at right now in the NFL, I, I think, you know, outside of maybe the Patriots and maybe, you know, there's some good teams. I think the Panthers, I think we're starting to learn are a good football team, but for the most part, the NFL is full of, of mediocre to bad football teams really across the board. And I think that that kind of sets up for what we talked about on the fanatic a few weeks ago. And now the idea that you really don't know what's going to happen and really is all about getting hot when it matters. And, and I, while I don't think this team will be that team per se, it's certainly possible they could be. So I, I think you coming off that win like that, you, you have to feel some excitement, John. And real quick, just along those lines too, did uh, I meant to mention this before with the Bradford thing. Well, when, when they were coming out for overtime and he kind of brought them all in, did you notice that? how he kind of just huddled them all up on the sideline before they ran in. And, and obviously don't know what he said, but in that moment, and, and again, this is, you know, pure, just anecdotal me watching it, whatever subjective, but it did feel like there was some leadership there. It felt like Bradford was bringing his guys in and, and being like, all right, let's fucking do this. All right. And, and that was the impression I got. And, and it, it did buoy my spirits a little bit as well there, especially after watching him march him down and, and make that big play. I'm honestly, I'm glad that everybody saw those type of things. And obviously the, the awesome story that came out of that was, you know, Bradford was up at the podium and he looked at Jordan and said, we're going to score right here. I'm, I'm going to you. We're going to win this game right now. And that's great for me to hear and everybody else to hear. That to me, I think, is why people are, are jumping on, hey, the team chemistry is finally building here. But that, I, I feel like that leadership was always there. And, you know, maybe Bradford's not so much of a rah-rah guy towards the press, but anytime that you huddle everybody in the showers and doodles out and have a meeting in there, like that shows leadership too. I think that's always kind of been there. And now it's now it's cycling into that. Into that. And, you know, there's no more death stairs from DeMarco Murray. It's everybody's finally gelling. It's, it's, it is coming together. Looking at their schedule, I mean, Obviously, we're going to talk about it on Thursday, and we'll have a couple of uh, Miami people with us as we're trying to get that together right now. But they have the Dolphins. They have the Bucks at home. That's important. They're away at Detroit. It's another winnable game. They have a loss in December. The Patriots, they're just not going to beat them. And if they do, great. Uh, you know, but to me, that's you can win. You can win the next two games, possibly the next three. Uh, maybe you get lucky against the Patriots, but I, I highly doubt it. And then it's. You know, if you can rattle off somehow three wins and be seven and four going into that latter half, 
that's going to do nothing but help you. And that's an obvious captain, obvious statement. But do you think they could do that, James? I think not only can they, I think they, I don't think they have to, like you said, but I'm feeling a lot better about this football team at seven and four with new England, Buffalo and Arizona coming up. And I know two of those are at home and I agree. I don't see them winning that Patriots game any given Sunday, all that crap. I just don't see them winning it. Uh, but I don't see why they can't win these three games here because I mean the Bills game and the and the Cardinals game while at home I don't see them winning both I see them splitting those two whichever right. fashion it is uh, those are both good enough football teams to beat the Eagles both in that and the Cardinals probably a little better than that but in that mediocre ish range where they they could beat this Eagles team depending on how the next few weeks play out so I think it's really crucial that you win these next three games again I know your your season's not over especially with uh you know none of them being division games but I think it I think it mean it does a lot for this team to win those three heading into that tougher three that follow especially with the Giants having a much tougher schedule so you just hope. As does Dallas. The Eagles really do have the easiest schedule, for what it's worth, just based on win-loss so far uh, of, of the three teams. And with the Giants, it's significant. I think it's something like the Giants have like a, are facing teams with like a 600 winning percentage yeah. uh, or higher, and the Eagles are like 440 or something. So it's, it's a significant difference in, in schedule strength over the rest of the season. Uh, and, in, and exactly. So if they do end up being 7-4, and four, you have the, uh, I don't want to say optionality, but three and two there that's 10 and six so that's good <laughs> i think that'll probably that'll probably win you a division because that means you're beating the giants at the end of the year and I'm, yeah, I, I'm assuming that's a lot. I think 10 and six meaning you beat the giants at the end is is uh, a lock to win this division yeah so um obviously that's a, a long way to go still as they're getting into finally in the last half the final things that i'll say here james is quick, before before we get in the final yeah, thing go ahead one thing we need to mention, uh, the report out, Jordan Hicks, obviously. Oh, yes. All of our favorite player on the planet right now. I think, yeah. I tweeted, last, I think I tweeted last night, I love Jordan Hicks so much, I can't stand it. Um, <laughs> and obviously making that huge tackle on Beasley, and, and it looked like worse. I mean, that was one of those plays where you saw the way he grabbed, and you saw the way he stretched, you really felt, you know, Shit, that guy might have just torn his pack. Uh, it does look like it's a pack injury, but, uh, you know, Chip obviously saying he doesn't know anything about it, whatever. Uh, Rap, uh, Ian Rappaport did come out and say it looks like it's going to be two to four weeks on the preliminary uh, preliminary estimates, the MRI happening today. So we'll see how it plays out. Uh, obviously, you don't want him off the field at all. Right. Uh, if they can not lose him for the season with that and get him back, that's obviously pretty big as well, especially when we're talking about the next three weeks or so being the easier portion of the rest of the schedule. And it'll be, and it's, yeah, and we don't know uh, D'Amico and, and what he's going through. And to have kind of Kiko and Kendricks out there aren't, let's just say, they're, they might not be the smartest guys in the world. So <laughs> to have them, they're more of the reactionary. Uh, no, of, yeah, you need you need Hicks in there. Hicks is that Hicks is that intelligent, emotional. That not even he's the guy who's calling the plays when yes. he's in. The rookie's calling the plays. Yeah. That tells you everything you need to know. But that pick six, I mean, like I, I, I mean, just eggplant emojis all over, all over the place. Uh, and it's such a special player so far, and like an absolute lock for defensive rookie of the year. Like, absolute he's, lock. He's the most instinctive rookie I, I remember as an Eagle. I don't remember an, an Eagle rookie coming in and being this instinctive as a player. He's around the ball every play. Like, it doesn't yeah. matter. All is he's there. It's it's crazy. He it's, chased it's, down Des Bryant. Like, he chased I, down Des Bryant for, for a, a, not a game-saving, but. Yeah. 
No, impressive stuff, man. He, he's a he's a blast to watch. I'm, I'm very grateful it's not too bad an injury, and you really hope he can come back even quicker. Yeah, um, and the other thing I'll say is how awesome it felt for Chip Kelly to go for two fourth downs. And the one in overtime, that's balls, man. That's huge balls. That's we're going to win it right now. At their 40-yard line. That was yeah. all the balls. And it was the right call. <laughs> Regardless of what happened, it was the right call. Yeah. Uh, and it was the right call, that, you know, to to have the the touchdown on the other end, and I think in the second half with uh, with Murray that ran it in. That, that's is that is what you have to do to win football games, and it, that's why it was so surprising to me to see that the second half, you know, jumble that two minute drill that didn't go didn't yeah, that went horribly, and then you see that. But again, I think that's a game by game game basis thing there of what he does, but hopefully. That stays in there. That's what was missing. A little bit of that fire of just like, nope, we got him on the ropes. We're going to keep going. And that, uh, th- when they identified that, I thought that was phenomenal. That's what made everything go right, even though we absolutely shit our pants when he thought he fumbled the football for about two oh seconds and awarded to him. But Oh, my God. And even then, also with the way the game had gone from a ref's perspective, I'm totally expecting sitting there – expecting Collinsworth and Michaels, oh, it'll be Eagles ball, Eagles ball for them to come back out and go the other way just because, like, like, they screwed up every other call. Why not mess up the most obvious one of the night? (laughs) But, um, hey, you know, having that win, I understand that it's Dallas was also in a very desperate situation, so maybe there's a lot of that going on. Maybe they played above their expectation or whatever you want to call it because it was very, uh, I mean, they lost five in a row. That's their season on the line. A lot of people are going to say, just like James has said, well, you know, it's Dallas. They stink. You're supposed to beat that team. Yes, but it was on the road. It had all those implications for them in it. They, every single eye from the Hardy story that went around was on it. Like, it was – there was a lot of lot of things going into that game. I doubt they felt all And a game between rivals, too, which, yes. which really factors in. So, uh, be happy about it. You're allowed to be happy about it. Don't think of twice about it. That was an important win. That was a great game. Everybody, for the most part, played great and go birds. That's pretty much my final thoughts for you, James. Seconded. <laughs> exactly what you said, and, and hopefully by the next time I'm talking to you, I'll have my full voice back. Well, there we go. You can catch us uh, again. We're going to be team up. Uh, we get the full two hours again on Sunday, 8 to 10 a.m. on 97.5 nice. The Fanatic. And uh, for myself, John Barchard, of course, for James Zeltzer, we thank you very much for listening to BGN Radio, episode number 126 right here on BleedingGreenNation.com and LibertyBroadcast.co. Sam You've been listening to BGN Radio right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. Fueled by Duncan Philly and part of the Liberty Broadcast Network. We have now reached our final destination of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We realize you have a choice in podcasting. We thank you for choosing ours.